morning, church. Please open up to 2 Peter 2. We're going to start our time together reading our passage in its entirety. To Peter, chapter 2, starting at the first verse. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness, to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them, day after day he was tormented, He was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lusts of defiling passions and despise authority. Bold and willfully, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revile in the daytime, They are blots and blemishes, reviling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way. They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Bor, who loved gain from wrongdoing but was rebuked for his own transgression. A a speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless rings and mist driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been revealed. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he's enslaved. For if, 
after they've escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, they again entangle them in, uh, in uh, again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have never made known, to have never to have known the way of righteousness, then after knowing it, turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Good morning, church. There is one universal experience that we all share in common. There are only 24 hours in a day. We cannot buy more time. Each of us has only the time God has given us. And this time is a precious resource. In any moment, the way we spend this precious resource is simply by what and who we give our attention to. Everything is a race for your attention. Some of the attention seekers are rather obvious. Mum, mum, dad, dad. Uh, That phone ringtone, that message alert. Other attention seekers, they're, they're more subtle, more craftily designed. Netflix, YouTube, social media feeds spend their time seeking to get your time. If you've ever wondered why it is so easy to binge on a streaming service or watch video after video on YouTube to get lost in that world of the online, if you've ever wondered why the first thing so many people do in the morning is check their phone, this is what these platforms have been created to do. They have been carefully and intentionally designed in this way. And if these platforms can get your attention, then they can sell your time to the highest paying advertiser. And then these advertisers can teach you what to invest in. We need to be aware that today's world is designed to capture your attention and sell it to the highest bidder. And we need to be aware that advertisers sell you a worldview. They're inviting you into a world where you are missing what they sell. So we're going to test this. Uh, Look to the screen and ask these questions. What worldviews are advertisers inviting you into? And how does their product fill the hole you didn't realize you had? Let's watch this video together. I'm falling. 
that family moment. We, we need our children to get along to protect each other. The sales pitch, buy a Coke. It will bring your family together. We are in a world full of messages that need measuring. We need to be aware that we live in a world that is constantly sending you messages, constantly teaching you to live a particular way. 2 Peter 2 reminds us that this is nothing new. This is one of the many passages in the Bible that remind us that we need to be discerning about who we listen to. We cannot take down our guard. We need to be actively filtering the messages that we receive. Peter is calling us to measure the messages we are being taught against the word of God. To measure them against the good news that God saves through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus came and that he's coming back again. We need to hold firmly to the truth that we have been given. And Peter, in anticipation of his own death, knows that we need constant reminding. We need to be regularly and in detail reminding ourselves of the truth of the gospel so that when counterfeits come our way, when false teachers proclaim lies as truth, they and their message will stand out as fakes. This constant cycle of measuring the messages we are receiving against the gospel is how we apply our relationship with God to everyday experience. Every book, every letter, poem, and historical story that is in the Bible is an example of a God-inspired application of the gospel into a particular person or people's everyday situation. God, through the authors, is showing his people how to live out their relationship with him. And so the biblical text is the manual we look to with the help of God's Holy Spirit to faithfully live day by day. If you're struggling to experience God, the closest moments I have shared with God always come from testing the messages I'm receiving against God's word and then choosing to live according to what God shows me Trusting, then acting upon this trust that God's way is best. And boy, do I need God's Holy Spirit to help me do this. So 2 Peter 2 teaches us about false teachers. But before we get into more detail in 2 Peter, let me speak to the Year 12 students and anyone hoping to get there. Year 12s, this week you have graduated with your peers. You've shared the last 13 years together. I did some basic maths. That is about 3,120 hours together. You've shared the same teachers, the same cliques, the same under and somehow hyper-powered bubblers. You've also shared six prime ministers alone just during your schooling. You have shared the big conversations Australia has had about marriage, about religion. 
You've had lots of messages sent your way to test, whether they are real or fakes. So welcome to Schoolies Week. This week you are being sent messages as how to celebrate well. False teachers are preaching party hard, drink hard, hook up, experiment, live free, enslave to what I sell. My prayer and my, my goal is that our church has helped and equipped you to test these messages using the Bible. There is a great warning uh, in 2 Peter 2 verse 19. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. We want you to celebrate. We want to celebrate with you. Well done. Congratulations. Enjoy doing nothing for like 30 seconds in your life. You have survived and you have thrived. And we're excited to partner with you in all that is to come. But please, for your enjoy, celebrate with wisdom in the coming weeks. I know you're thinking, uh, what comes next after school? Certainly everyone is going to be asking, and you'll get really sick of that question, but they're going to keep asking, so just get used to it. Uh, now more than ever, I encourage you to measure the messages and the life you are planning post-school against the truth and the direction God's Word offers you. Help your peers see that trusting in Jesus is a bigger turning point than your high school graduation. My commitment to my year, the class of 2012 it was, was that whatever messages, whatever ideas that people would share with me about their future or our future, that I would endeavor and try to point them to Jesus as best I knew how. And it was out of this desire to be equipped to more clearly point people to Jesus, that I went to Bible college straight after school. And these experiences, they grew my passion for equipping each new emerging generation of students to point their peers to Jesus. You have an opportunity to speak the gospel into the lives of your peers in a way that few other people ever will. Use this gift from God. It is in these moments of testing and applying the gospel to the messages that claim our attention that I have felt closest to God. And it is my prayer that the same will be true for you. It is a great encouragement when you see how God's word shows us how to faithfully live each day following him. So turn with me uh, back to 2 Peter, uh, the first three verses. False teachers are at work in the world around us. And we see in these first verses that false teachers are of danger present still in the church today. False prophets hurt God's people throughout the Old Testament, and they continue to hurt God's people today. They twist the costly sacrifice of Jesus with lies as a means to satisfy their greed. 
when asked, does Jesus really mean that little to you? Their answer is in honesty, I guess so. Their message and the conduct that accompanies it is an evil that has no place in the church. Peter pulls no punches. False teachers enrage him. Their sin and the sin they inspire rightly enrages God's just condemnation. Peter gives three examples in 2 Peter's 2 verses 4 to 10 of God's judgment upon sin. Verse 4, God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to the chains of gloomy darkness to be kept unto judgment. He did not spare the ancient world. Peter draws our, our memories back to God's judgment on the unrighteous by the flood in the time of Noah. Verses 5. And in verses 6, by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. God has clearly warned us. Sin will be judged. False teachers have been put on notice. They have gone astray and they will be judged by God. And we are warned that there is no benefit, only pain, exploitation and destruction to anyone who follows them. God is a righteous judge, but he's also our merciful rescuer. Look through those verses uh, 4 to 10 again. Verses 5, God did destroy the ancient world through the flood, but he preserved Noah and his family. Verses 7, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by God, but he rescues Lot and his family. I love the conclusion Peter reaches from those examples in verse 9. If God did not spare the angels, the ancient world, Sodom and Gomorrah, but preserves and rescues Noah and Lot, then we can take confidence that God is both rescuer and judge. I love verse 9. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. I love how when we look at the cross, we see God bringing together judgment and rescue through his son. And we remember that these, these false teachers want to deny the coming judgment of God. And of course they would. They're sitting under it. But we see in Jesus judgment and rescue together. Hope for anyone who will put their trust in Jesus. And right fear for anyone who will deny Jesus. God is a righteous judge but he's also a merciful rescuer. Peter affirms these truths intellectually, but even more so from his own experience. Jesus is his rescuer. Back in Peter's introduction to this letter, Peter proclaims how precious our faith is. God 
and our Savior Jesus Christ has given us righteousness. Peter has been rescued from God's righteous judgment by his Savior and rescuer Jesus. And Peter has experienced the freedom of being ruled by Jesus. Peter no longer has to chase after every fleeting desire in the search for satisfaction. Peter is the example of the true, caring, humble, giving teacher who will seal his commitment to Christ and the church with his own death. But look in contrast. Skim through the the life and legacy of the false teachers in verses 10 to 22. It's like they're in this race to see who can do the most dangerous, who can do the most damaging, who can do the most stupid stuff. They boast about what they do not understand. They're so full of arrogance that when they try to talk, they try to talk down to, to blaspheme heavenly beings that angels are scared of. Now, I know we often think of angels as, oh, isn't that cute? That's not the normal pattern in the Bible. Uh, when, when an angel rocks up, um, people hit the deck. They're like flat on their face, worshipping God in fear. Um, so often the angels have to respond, do not fear, God has sent me, or something to that effect. Even Balaam, uh, he's, he's a false prophet for hire in Numbers 22. And when he finally sees an angel, uh, he's, he's bound down low, face down, knowing that his donkey just saved him from being killed by a terrifying angel. Uh, if you want some great reading, have a read through Numbers 22. False teachers take wrongdoing to a whole new competitive level. In broad daylight, they do whatever they desire. Adultery, pursuing passions of the flesh, flesh, they have trained their hearts in greed. And who are their victims? They pick on the weak. They pick on the vulnerable. They claim to often freedom, but they are ruled by sin, corrupted, and captive to it. And we're told that false teachers, they sneak into the church, seeking to spread this poison. Can you feel Peter's anguish? These false teachers have an opportunity to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, yet they reject Jesus. Having the opportunity to be saved, they prefer sin. They are like a dog who, having vomited to remove something foul, prefers to consume it once again. Like a pig, they prefer filth. Peter is is scathing in his rebuke of false teachers. Don't miss the contrast. Peter loves and serves his dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Peter has invested his whole life for their good. Peter writes this letter so that just one more time he can point them to the perfect example of the true teacher, Jesus. Peter is a pastor who loves his church. And his letter and God's message to us in it provides the true standard to measure any teaching against.
So I've done some talking, now it's time to put it into practice. In the next few minutes, uh, we are going to look at a way of evaluating the messages that are sent our way. So I have seven steps. There's a free eighth in there, just for those who can count. Step one, identify the source of the message. We need to be aware and take responsibility for who we let teach us. Consider who and what has your attention. Break down the 24 hours in your day. Where does your attention go? State the message. Write it down, say it out loud. You must be able to state the message before you can evaluate it. Measure the message against God's word. This step can be hard work, and it takes time in God's word. We must study the real to be able to spot the often small differences in the messages that make it a fake. Number four, affirm the true teaching. Write it down, again, say it out loud, the truth that God has shown you in his word. Then we need to reject and repent of false teaching. If the original message was false, just reject it. Don't take it on. If you have realized in, in your study that you are believing false teaching, repent, turn away from it, and affirm the true belief. And be encouraged that this means your faith is growing. Number six, change your practice to reflect the new God-affirmed truth. Number seven, share and show the truth. Don't hide the fruits of God's work in your life. Share and show how the truth of God's word has transformed your beliefs and your behavior. And the free eight step, enjoy your closer relationship with God. Now, I find that I need practice at things before I get good at them, so that's what we're going to do. We have some time. Believe it or not, that's me done. Now it's over to you. So over the next about five to seven minutes, I want you to do those seven steps. I hope you'll get to the eighth. Evaluate the messages that are being sent to you and test them against God's word, following those seven steps. Uh, for the first two, please do it on your own. Find the message that is personal to you that you need to test. But on that, please get help and help others. So for the next seven minutes, we're going to do those seven steps as a church together. And then I'll come back and close in prayer. Enjoy this interactive time. You have commenced the conversations. Please continue them uh, in our time together. Uh, that will follow over tea, coffee. Um, and if you've been particularly by challenged by something, please share it. And please show it. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, you are our judge and our rescuer. And Lord, we are so aware that 
we are surrounded by messages. We are surrounded by ideas that bombard us moment after moment. And Lord, it is important and indeed necessary for us to be testing these messages against your word. Lord, we seek to live more faithfully. We seek to live how you show us through your word. And Lord, we want to reject false teaching and teachers in our lives, knowing it brings us no good. And Lord, we want to surround ourselves with those who can equip us with the truth of your word. And we want to take responsibility ourselves for our need to take time in your word and with those who can help us understand it. So in this week ahead, may we go to serve and love you more closely in Christ's name. Amen.